Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, what's up? It's uh, episode number 205 of Lockdown Raptors. I'm your host, uh, Sean Woodley from RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean. Follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Raptors. Leave ratings, leave reviews on the iTunes page. It's the easiest thing to help out the show. Do a lot of fun stuff. I've given you the spiel a million times before. Uh, the Lockdown Network, of course, also has team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams. Leave a rating or review on the iTunes page for the Lockdown NBA Network as well. All four uh, Eastern and Western Conference preview podcasts are out now, I believe. Uh, so make sure you check those out. I'm on one of them. I was on the one from Monday uh, talking about the Raptors on the Eastern Conference Part 2 preview. All 30 teams, all 30 hosts involved uh, in previewing their teams. So make sure you check it out. Okay, let's dive in quickly to part two of the Locked On Raptors. Raptors roster power ranking compiled by myself, Sahal Abdi, and Vivek Jacob. Uh, Again, I had Vivek and Sahal send in votes. Uh, We all made our rankings for who the 15 most important players in the Raptors are. We ended up leaving off guys like uh, Malcolm Miller, Lorenzo Brown, uh, KJ McDaniels didn't end up making the cut either. Kennedy Meeks has been cut, of course, already. Davian Barry uh, was signed today well after we made these votes as well. I'm not sure Barry would have figured in as well. I mean, he's probably going to end up with the D-League. He's on one of those Exhibit 10 contracts where he'll get a bonus to go to the D-League if he's cut by the Raptors, uh, which I would expect is probably going to be the case because the Raptors have three-point guards already. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't think Davian Barry is going to make that 15th spot. But, yeah, the, we have uh, we're, we've moved into number 10 now. I did the top five. Just a refresher, number 15. Uh, we had uh, the open roster spot that uh, I shoehorned in there because I, I went against the, the votes that Sahal and Vivek gave. Uh, they had KJ McDaniels and Bruno Caboclo was 14 and 15. I had the roster spot. Actually, in my my list, I had the roster spot at number 14 with Bruno being number 15th in terms of, in terms of like impact on the team this season. Um, which I guess speaks pretty lowly of Bruno. But uh, Bruno, again, number 14 with the votes all, all compiled. He's number 14. Number 13, Alfonso McKinney. Number 12, OG Ananobi, who made his debut last night against the Pistons. And number 11, Lucas Noguera. Uh, and now we move into, I think, the guys who are probably going to make up most of the bench rotation plus a potential starter. Um, so let's dive in right now to the 10 through 6 players on the Raptors roster power ranking. Number 10. Fred Van Vliet, uh, I voted him number 10, Sahal had him number 11, and Vivek had him number 8, which is, uh, of course, the highest of all three of us, and Fred Van Vliet, I think, is going to be more important this season, and I think the last month or so has been kind of enlightening in this regard. I think he's going to be more involved in the Raptors' plans this season than maybe we originally expected. Um, You know, DeLon Wright, as we'll get to in a few guys from now on the list, I mean, DeLon Wright is going to be the backup point guard. He seems like he's got that locked down. He played really well against the Pistons, although everyone played really well against the Pistons because the Pistons are ass. Um, But no, no, I think Van Vliet's still going to figure in, even though Wright is sort of the de facto backup right now. The Raptors have used three point guards in the past. They've used point guards playing the two in the past. DeLon Wright has even played the three in the past. And Van Vliet might be the fourth best shooter on the team right now. You know, you could throw up between him and Norm Powell based on volume and difficulty of shots and when they're coming. But uh, Van Vliet as a pure shooter might be the fourth best shooter on the team. 
And that's going to be important if the Raptors want to continue with what they're doing. They're really committing to this moving of the offense, moving of the ball and, and, and spacing out the offense and, and firing up more threes. They shot 37 threes last night. They were 35%, which was their best mark so far in the preseason. And Van Vliet, if you want to get some extra three-point shots in there, Van Vliet's a guy who can probably give them to you, and they're going to be good shots because he's a really fluid shooter. Um, so maybe we'll see some Van Vliet next to DeLon with maybe DeRozan at the three. Maybe if the Raptors want to give Lowry and DeRozan some extra rest, maybe they'll have both of them on the, on the floor, on the court, on the bench, sorry, excuse me for being a dummy. Um, and maybe we'll see Van Vliet and Wright with some other starters. Maybe we'll see CJ Miles and Serge Ibaka out there with those guys. I think that actually has some like decent potential. If you're, there was to be like a lineup of, say, Van Vliet, Wright, uh, Miles, throw in Pascal Siakam and Serge Ibaka, I think that could be like a pretty nifty lineup where you'd get DeRozan and Lowry some extra rest if you don't want to stagger them throughout the entire game. Maybe this is a way to cut down Kyle Lowry's 36 minutes a game to get him down to something like 33 that would be nice. Um, but yeah, so Van Vliet, I think, is going to have a role here. I don't think he's going to supplant Wright. I don't think he's as much of a creator as Wright is. We saw Wright last night, which is some excellent drive and kick stuff. He is probably the best drive and kick guy on the team already, or he's right there with DeRozan and Lowry. I mean, he's just, he doesn't have the finishing game that those guys have, and he's not the shooter that those guys are. I mean, he's not even the shooter that DeRozan is at this point, but uh, I do think Wright's drive and kick game is special, and his way, his sort of way to cut into the offense and start initiating things from there is going to be really important as the Raptors go to this new system that they're really committing to. But Van Vliet is going to be in there. I think he's going to play alongside Wright. I think he's going to play alongside Lowry at times as well. He might be a guy that you can sort of uh, spot up around Lowry if you want to have someone there instead of, say, DeMar DeRozan. Say you want to have like Lowry, Van Vliet, uh, Miles. You could have like a full all-out shooting lineup with those guys if you throw a Baca in there too. Uh, so I, I think Van Vliet will be just a nice little guy you can insert if, at times if you need an extra shooter on the floor. And if the Raptors are having issues hitting threes over the course of the season, maybe we see, you know, say DeLon has a game where he's just not shooting well or his offense isn't working or he picks up some fouls. Maybe we'll see Fred come in and just sort of assume the backup point guard role for a night or two uh, and sort of try to inject a little bit of offense into the end of the game. He's, you know, he, he's limited defensively, of course, because he's like six feet tall at most. He's probably something more like 5'10 or 5'11". Uh, but he's you know rugged. He's physical at that when he's playing defense at that spot at least. Um, and so yeah, that that's uh, Van Vliet. I think at number ten, I think is fair. Vivek obviously pretty high on him as a shooter at number eight. So you know I think th- this is a very fluid part of the ranking as we'll get to the next two guys. They both tied, and I think you can kind of rank any of these next three guys any way you want depending on what you think the Raptors need to prioritize. But Van Vliet. At number 10, I think it makes a lot of sense, and I think he's going to play quite a bit this season and be sort of a fringy regular rotation guy because he's uh, he's one of the best backup point guards in the league. He had a few nice moves last night, and it really is not one of the best backups, but one of the best third stringers for sure. Um, like The Raptors, again, uh, they've been super deep at point guard the last two years. They're going to be deep again this season with Van Vliet being number three. Uh, moving on to a tie for the eighth spot between Jakob Pertl and Pascal Siakam. Uh, so how this stacked up is uh, Siakam... I ranked him number 8 on the roster, Sahal had him number 10, Vivek had him number 9, I had Pirtle at number 9, Sahal, at number, Sahal had Pirtle 8, and Vivek had Pirtle 10. Um, so I think I'm the highest on Siakam in terms of where he's going to fit in this season of the three of us. Again, though, this is all so fluid. These guys all fit in somewhere, uh, and they're all going to be reasonably important at some point. Um, and they're all going to have roles. They're different players. They occupy different spaces on the floor. Um, but I do think Pascal Siakam, I have never, I have him eight because I think he's going to be thrust into more responsibility than any of these other guys because of the lack of, of power forward depth and the need to play Serge Ibaka at five 
five. As I mentioned in the last podcast, where OG Ananobi and Alfonso McKinney might have the opportunity to slide in and be the power forward in closing lineups. I think Siakam probably has the best chance of being that guy right now if they're trying to go bigger and not have CJ Miles play the four. Um, if you're ranking those three guys in terms of the odds that they're going to take that spot, Siakam might be it. He didn't play a ton last night in the preseason game against the Pistons, but he's been, you know, exciting. He's been sort of out of control at times this this preseason. He's given up a lot of turnovers, but he's also shown the ability to run the break by himself, which is awesome. Um, he's, I think he's going to have like the Amir Johnson three where he just kind of has it in his bag of tools, doesn't really bust it out unless he just ha- happens to have the ball in his hands behind the three-point arc with nobody within 10 feet of him and he'll throw it up. I'm not sure it's going to be a regular part of his game, but he can run the floor better than most Raptors at this point, and like probably better than most bigs. He's just ludicrously fast. Um, so I think Pascal has a chance to really seize that backup four spot and maybe even play a bit of small ball five as well. I mean, we haven't really seen him play much five so far. I think the Raptors kind of look at him and profile maybe more as a three than a, than a five if they're sort of looking at the spectrum there. But uh, as a four, I think he can fit in nicely. I think his defense, it's been an issue in the past where he's just too energetic and picks up dumb fouls and get out of posi- gets out of position. Um, I think it was, oh God, who was it that said it? Someone that we had on the podcast recently. It might have been Mitch Robson. Uh, oh, this is going to b- bother me now, but... When we were talking about Siakam, he's kind of like a guy who, in in 2K, he'll be sort of like bouncing and you'll just like hit the block shot button five times in a row and he just kind of bounces up and down and doesn't really have any sort of utility to what he's doing. He's just kind of looking for block shots. Uh, that's something that was a problem last season. If he can rein that in a bit this season uh, and play next to Serge Ibaka, like he can be a nice little sort of compliment to Ibaka, allow Ibaka to hang near the rim because he's so fast, Siakam is, that he can get out and guard the guys at Ibaka. Kind of really can't guard anymore around the perimeter. Um, so that's why I'm higher. But Pirtle, I think, totally makes sense to be higher as well. Um, and I think, you know, actually Vivek doesn't have him as high as either Sahalari. He is a number 10. Um, but I do think that Pirtle this season is going to... I think he's got the inside track to be the starting backup, or sorry, to start the season as the backup center. His passing is really nice. Uh, He had one turnover last night, I think, trying to make a pass on the roll. But overall, he's a really nice passer on the pick and roll. And I I just think he's so steady and fundamental. And the Raptors are going to have so many sort of question marks and sort of... I don't know, high ceiling, low floor guys on defense. That, but I think Pirtle being more of a steadying presence there is going to be really helpful and important for the Raptors. Um, so yeah, I think that's why I would put him as a sort of a, more of the inside track than Bebe and have him so much higher than Bebe. Um, again, I have number nine overall on the Raptors roster, but just behind Pascal Siakam. Um, you know, he's not sexy by any means. Like he doesn't do much in the way of like wowing you on a night to night basis. And that's the, the Bebe thing where he does do things where he'll have a game where he has three lob dunks and a bunch of block shots and looks amazing. But Pirtle, I think is just such a nice floor guy, uh, and just a steady, fundamentally sound player that it's going to be important for the Raptors to have him as like the sort of anchor of their second unit, because there's a lot of volatility in terms of the rest of their guys. DeLon's going to have nights where his offense is off. Siakam's going to have nights where he's too hyped up and undisciplined and you know picking up fouls. And Pirtle's had issue with, issues with fouls in the past, too. Last season, though, it was mostly just like a weird rookie whistle kind of thing. Like, I think he's in position most of the time and shouldn't really pick up as many fouls as he did last year. Um, and yeah, so you're going to have this sort of volatility. Even Norm Powell, like, we don't really know what Norm's going to be just yet. And if he's going to be on the bench, he in- inserts a little bit of an uncertainty as well, whether or not he's going to be hitting his shots, whether or not he's going to be, you know, playing solid defense. 
defense. If he's got more of an offensive role, that's been an issue for him in the past. So I think if Pearl is out there, he's just a nice steady building block for any lineup he's going to be in. You know he's going to be back near the rim. He's not going to pick up a bunch of blocked shots, but he's going to affect shots. He's going to get offensive rebounds, and he's going to just sort of make the right rotations. And positionally, he's going to be sound, and he's not going to. He can be sort of a security blanket back there. Um, I do think he has the ability. While he hasn't blocked a ton of shots so far in his career, I do think he has the ability to become sort of like a defensive anchor type player. And I'd like to see it happen this season. And he's quick too, and he can sort of switch out if him, him and Siakam were playing together, for example. I think those guys can switch a little bit. I think him and uh, uh, Serge Ibaka playing next to each other would be pretty good as well because Pirtle can kind of cover in the same role as Siakam would be playing with Ibaka. It's sort of to cover around the perimeter. He's much quicker than Ibaka is at this point. Um, so that's, if any way you can keep Ibaka near the rim and not at, as the sort of pure center on defense, I think that's going to be good. And I think Pirtle will unlock that a little bit. Um, so that's why I have him uh, right in there at number nine. Again, Siakam, I think, just has a more obvious role uh, to sort of fill in and less competition for what he's doing. I mean, there are guys, OG and Alfonso McKinney, are going to compete for sure, but I do think Bebe has the chance to steal some minutes from Yaka Pirtle if Pirtle is just sort of steady and uninspiring and Bebe comes in and does some things that wow you. Uh, in the opportunities he gets early in the season. So that's where I'm at with those two. Uh, Siakam and Pirtle tied for number eight. Again, they both finished with the exact same number of points in the overall voting. Napa know It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out quality parts helpful people that's napa know-how napa know-how at participating napa auto parts stores while supplies last minimum three items exclusions apply offer ends 10 31 17 uh number seven delon wright this was unanimous across the board seven 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 uh from the three of us and i think this is pretty obvious i think there's an argument to be made that maybe he could be number six ahead of the next guy we have here just because he's going to be asked to you know be the third facilitator of the offense behind DeRozan and Lowry um, I think it's going to be crucial that when Lowry's out sorry when when Wright's out there with guys like DeRozan uh, that it's not a negative we've seen in the past the DeRozan and Corey Joseph combo didn't really work all that much it, it had some success when the Raptors made those trades last year and Lowry was out down the stretch of the season but Overall, those were pretty negative numbers that those units posted with uh, Joseph and DeRozan plus bench guys. Uh, I think DeLon Wright's going to have to be better, and I think he's got a chance to be. I think he can cover a little bit better defensively than Corey Joseph can. I think he's more of a playmaker than Corey Joseph ever was, and it sort of diversifies the skill sets a little bit between him and DeRozan. DeRozan, when he's... I think DeRozan's going to be more of a facilitator this year as well. I think we've seen it. I think he had eight assists last night against the Pistons. Um, so, and like they're really prioritizing it. But I think in the second unit, if he's with DeLon, you could have DeRozan be more of an offensive, searching more for his offense instead of being more of a facilitator. You could have DeLon sort of drive and kick. You can find DeRozan and have him sort of initiate another drive and kick. We've seen that a couple times in the preseason so far where they kind of have these dueling drives and kicks. And it looks pre- really pretty when they get it going. Uh, if they could find someone to hit a three-point shot, that would be awesome. But uh, the the process of those guys finding open shooters on the perimeter or just getting to the rim, and that's DeLon's real downfall at this point. He had another couple issues last night when he would just get to the rim and just not even look at the rim, not even try to go up to make a finish. He'd be looking for a pass. I think he got one swatted away when he kind of double-clutched a little bit and then kind of lost his way, got the ball taken away from him. DeRozan obviously has no issues going up to finish, and that's I think DeLon can really learn a lot from how DeRozan finishes in space. If DeLon can figure out a 
little push shot if he's too afraid to get right to the rim and doesn't want to absorb that contact. I think if he can sort of work that middle range where DeRozan's so good from like 8 to 10 feet, I, I feel like DeLon could have that in him. He's so crafty. That seems like a shot that he'd be able to master. I don't know. It just seems kind of with in the milieu of what DeLon Wright is as a player. Um, and he, yeah, he's funky, he's weird, he's kind of old school, and I kind of love watching DeLon Wright play. He's really uh, explosive when he's running a fast break as well. I think we're going to see some fast breaks this season with the Raptors, with like DeLon, Pascal Siakam, and Norm Powell, where they're just running so fast that it's just out of control, and we're going to see like balls like ricocheting off of backboards and going back the other way, and it'll be ugly in the moment, but I think overall, like combined, I think those guys are going to be just deadly in the fast break if they're playing together as a second unit. And so, yeah, that, that's why I'm there with DeLon. There's a lot of responsibility on DeLon, of course. It feels a little bit less necessary that he becomes, like, what we really hope his full potential is this season because Fred Van Leet's there and he's pretty solid. Um, and, the, you know, I think if DeLon has games where he's off, I think you can throw a Fred in and it'll be just fine. If there's an injury to Lowry, then DeLon becomes that much more important because he's not the backup anymore behind Corey Joseph in that situation. He's the starter. And it's going to be crucial. He's such a different player from Lowry in terms of just not being the shooter that Lowry is. I think he's a better defender. I think he has, I think he has the potential to be one of the best defensive point guards in the league at this point. But you know, it, it'll be a, a very different sort of situation for DeLon if that does come to pass this season, if Lowry misses any time. And I'm sure the Raptors are going to try to get Lowry some rest here and there when the, when the opportunity allows for it. Uh, and it'll be fascinating to see. I think DeLon has higher upside than what Corey Joseph showed the last couple seasons. Corey Joseph was incredibly steady, and especially his first season, he was so good defensively. I think DeLon has far more defensive potential than Corey Joseph did just because of his size and his athleticism and his ability to sort of poke balls out and generate steals and generate fast break opportunities. I think that's going to be a big part of his game. Uh, The offense I worry about a little bit. Uh, Outside of the playmaking, if, if teams really sort of sag off of him, it could cut down his passing lanes. It could cut down his ability to pick apart defenses with his crafty passes. But at the same time, he's crafty. He's got good footwork. He knows sort of the seams in the defense, and it seems like he's able to work around it, even though he's a little bit slow and, and methodical in his movements, and he doesn't exactly blow by guys. He still seems to figure it out. So maybe he can work within the, the sort of constrained space that's going to come with him not being a shooter, and his teams adjust to that over the course of the season. But uh, so I, I mean, it's really important that Delon develops this season and becomes a big part of this team he's the seventh most important player according to all three of us and I I think that's very fair I don't I wouldn't put him any lower I think you could argue that he might be even higher Um, and it's going to be big that DeLon develops this season but I think the Raptors have shown that they're pretty confident that he's going to do it and if there's a guy on the Raptors who I'm pretty convinced is going to just at least achieve rotation level like dependable rotation status it's probably DeLon um, among all these guys that's why he's higher than the Pirtles and Siakams and Van Vliet's of the world so uh, big on DeLon. I think he's going to be good. And uh, he's very important what the Raptors want to do this season because he is really after the six guys who are more proven commodities. And Norm's not even proven at this point. But after those six guys, he really is the sort of linchpin for what the second unit's going to be. All right, moving on to number six. Uh, it's Jonas Valanciunas. And it's hard. All three of us voted him number six across the board. I think you could argue he could be number five. And he's if he plays the way he has in the preseason, which has been... Phenomenal. Against the Pistons, I mean, it's against Andre Drummond, who he just torches every time they play. Um, but, but you know, he looked really good. His passing has been much improved. He's not posting up as much anymore. And I've been harping on this since, like, maybe the second episode of this show last year. Uh, Jonas Valanciunas in the post, I just don't want to see it anymore. He doesn't have enough of an array of skills 
to be able to do it. He's not a great passer to those situations. He's not diverse enough in his post moves. They're nice, and he has some moments where he looks incredible. He had an amazing move on you know, on Andre Drummond last night where he sort of faked him out of his shoes and went up for, for an easy lay-in. But overall, I don't want to see the bulk of his touches coming in the post because it's not a useful play. It doesn't really fit into what the Raptors want to do. It never did in the past, and they had a pretty stagnant offense in the past. It definitely doesn't fit into the sort of motion and passing and three-point shooting they have this year because he's still, I'm not convinced he's a great passer out of the post, but he's looked really nice in sort of situations where he gets the ball in the short roll. He's found guys in the corner to sort of keep the offense moving along. He's been active coming up to set high screens and rolling. And on the roll is where Valanciunas is so deadly. I think he was the most efficient uh, pick and roll scorer as a roll man two seasons ago in 2015-16. It went down a bit last season, but overall, I think he averaged like 1.2 something points per possession as a roll man in 2015-16. I don't have the number right in front of me right now, but he was just a monster in those situations, and it was great to see. And it just, it never felt like the Raptors went to that enough because it was such an easy way to pick up buckets. But but the Raptors pick and roll offense isn't really predicated on finding the big in that situation. It's getting to the basket and maybe finding a shooter, but usually it is getting to the basket to find free throws. So uh, I think if the Raptors can trust Valanciunas more as a role man to make the passes that you have to make in that situation, especially when teams are loading up on Kyle and DeMar and giving away four on three situations, if Valanciunas is going to be able to make those passes. He's going to be more of a a focal point of the offense, and that's good. Um, I do think the hype on him in the preseason is probably getting a little bit out of hand just because it's the preseason and he's always looked good in the preseason. And, you know, one of the two of the three, or sorry, three of the four teams the Raptors have played against, the Clippers and the Pistons, Valanciunas always destroys. So it's really hard to say. Those teams are also in the preseason and it's very hard to gauge. But Andre Drummond played a lot last night and Valanciunas demolishes Drummond every single time they play. So I think we got to like chill a little bit on what he's done in the preseason before we sort of cast him to be a brand new player. And a big part of that too is that while the offense is nice and while it's always going to be efficient from him, he's always been an efficient offensive player. Um, I don't think he's going to add threes to his game, by the way. Last night, Drummond just lacked off at a three-point attempt from Valanciunas. It was pretty funny. I'm sure you've seen the gift by now. Uh, But anyway, I think while the offense has always kind of been there with Valanciunas on some level, maybe it's a bit more advanced this season, but that's always going to be there for him. He's always been efficient. It's the defense that is still going to be sort of the difference maker as to whether or not he's playing late in games or not. And if he can't defend a pick and roll, which we haven't really had to see so far this season from him, this preseason from him, and it's really hard to gauge the preseason because a lot of players who are playing suck or they're not trying, um, that's going to be the determining factor as to whether or not Valanciunas beefs up his role and finally gets the minutes late in games that the JV Hive really wants to see him get. Um, if he can't defend a pick and roll, he won't be on the floor. And I, I have reservations about him and Ibaka playing together late in games. I, I don't know. It'll depend on the matchup. I think there will be games where those two close for sure. I just think it'll be against certain matchups where they can really sort of exploit the rebounding edge and te- maybe the team that they're up against isn't going super small or isn't super shooty. It uh, doesn't require a whole bunch of switching or anything like that. And they don't really put that much pressure on the four to be a, a perimeter defender. That's only going to be certain teams though. There are a lot of teams that are really stretching it out now. Uh, and you look across the, the Eastern Conference, like the Wizards, the Celtics, the, the Cavs, the Bucks. These are all teams that are going to force you to have a more spry guy playing at the four. Against crappier teams, you'll probably get away with Valanciunas and Ibaka playing together. And I think overall, with Lowry in the lineup, that's going to be a fine starting five. Whoever it's in the three, whether it's Miles or Powell, I think it'll be a fine starting five that breaks even at least in terms of a net rating just because Lowry's so damn good and 
just because there's not a gaping hole of awfulness in that lineup like there has been in the past with Pascal Siakam as a rookie or Luis Scola. Um, but yeah, I, I have reservations about how well those two are going to pair together late in games against really good teams. And that's going to be the determining factor as to whether or not Valanciunas plays late in games. And I just, I don't think we're going to see it still. Um, I haven't seen enough evidence in the preseason to say, yeah, Valanciunas has figured out how to defend a pick and roll. So uh, that's still going to be what holds him back, I think. But still, as the number six guy on the team, I think it's gonna he's going to be important for sure. Uh, and there will be nights where Valanciunas puts up 30 and 12 and everyone gets really excited. But there will also be nights where he puts up, you know, five and eight and picks up a bunch of fouls and doesn't have any assists and it just looks pretty ineffective it it always happens with Valanchunas there's moments where the moments where he looks good are just incredible because he's so talented has such great touch it just seems like he can put it all together but the defense always kind of crops up and then that leads to other issues maybe he's improved maybe he's faster he does look a little bit quicker i think just anecdotally looking in the preseason so maybe that'll help him play defense a little more effectively but uh, i think because of that he can only be number six on this list because i think the next five guys are going to be the go-to five that the raptors go to uh, as often as they can as their closing lineup and they'll be the five most important players so we'll get to those guys tomorrow with the next episode in this uh, raptors roster power ranking to recap fred van vliet's in at number 10 uh, i had him at number 10 overall sahal had him at 11 vivek had him at number eight uh, Pascal Siakam, Yakupertl got the same total points in terms of the votes. Uh, they're tied for number eight. DeLon Wright, we all had him at number seven across the board. And Jonas Valanciunas, we all had at number six across the board. Uh, I'll be back again tomorrow with uh, players five through one. There's a little bit of, uh, I mean, there's going to be some obviously predictable ones in here, but I think four and five in particular are very interesting. Uh, so I'm going to spend some extra time comparing those two. And yeah, thank you so much for tuning in. This has been fun. And I'll be back again tomorrow with uh, players five through one in the Raptors roster power ranking. And uh, Friday, of course, as I teased earlier in the week, we're going to have the Raptors prop bets episode with myself, Sahal and Vivek all in the same show. Very excited for that one. That'll be a lot of fun. We'll have some weird ones in there that, along with some serious ones. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Raptors. Follow me at Woodley Sean. Make sure you also uh, listen to the teaser episode for the Hoop Talks Live podcast that I'm doing with Mitch Robson. Uh, episode one's going to drop on Thursday night. As if you need another podcast from me. Um, I appreciate you listening, though. If you're a person who happens to listen to all 47 podcasts I host, uh, I'm greatly appreciative of that. Keep an eye out for that one on iTunes as well. That'll be available pretty soon for you to subscribe to, rate, and review. Uh, do that with Locked On Raptors as well. Do that with the Locked On Network. Listen to Locked On Fantasy and Locked On Bucks and Locked On Lakers and Locked On Magic and all the Locked On shows if you have any interest in what's going on in the preseason. It's just a great way to get a local angle from all 30 teams and uh, and all the hosts are pretty damn good as well. So much better than me probably. I don't know. I, I can't be that high up in the rankings there. If we were doing a power ranking of Locked On hosts, I'd be near the bottom, I'm sure. Uh, anyway, thanks so much for listening and we'll talk to you again on Thursday with uh, part three of the Raptors roster power ranking. Have a great night, everybody.